0: Good morning. A couple of things we need to bring to your attention before we start. First of all, our deacons are, and our ushers are at the doors, and they're going to come forward. Guys, just come forward. If you will, they're going to pass out to you a little pamphlet. It looks like this. Um, I had some folks ask me not too long ago, well, exactly what is the Baptist faith and message? Since you're a member of a Baptist church, you all know what you believe. If you don't believe this, then we need to talk the baptist faith and message so this is uh, published by our uh, publishing company Lifeway, and i just want to make sure everyone has a copy of it all adults especially in uh, youth uh, so that you can know exactly what uh, we believe and by the way merry christmas just in case um, this uh, this hasn't cost you anything ken Force, that was funny wasn't it <laughs> the christmas gift uh I hope you enjoy that. A couple of other things very quickly. Uh, as you leave today, you know that our offering, uh, there'll be some guys at the, at the door with plates to receive your offering and also out on the front um, as you go out through the portico of black boxes on the wall, both going out and coming back in. If you feel more comfortable leaving your offering there, please feel free to do so. Uh, parents, uh, tonight your kids will be singing with the adults. And next Sunday morning, your kids will be singing here on this platform, also with adults. So we look forward to that time together. Tonight, tonight at 6 o'clock, we have um, a great presentation uh, for you called Brand New Hallelujah. And you don't want to miss it. We had a wonderful time in Ennery last week. And their folks will be up here with us tonight. And we're just looking forward to a worship experience. So I pray that you'll come Early and get a good seat, and we'll look forward to that. Also, uh, next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock is our annual Christmas gathering. It's potluck, and if I'm lucky, you'll bring a pot filled with food. And we'll look forward to that time together. Week after week, we come into this place, and as Arena starts the prelude, we have a lot of talking that's going on. And I don't know if we ever really hear and are able to worship. Sometimes we just need to be still and know that he is God. So today I've asked her to wait until this moment. And I think we have some guys. Uh, oh, the choir hasn't had these yet. But I'm going to ask Arena to play for us at the beginning of this service today. And then the choir will sing. And then we'll join
1: our hearts together and our voices. Um.
0: Ask you to stand with us as we join our voices together in praising the Lord today.
2: I- To us a child is born, a son is given, a son is given. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, a son is given. The Messiah.
0: place today except that we are aware of who we are and who you are. We stand in the presence of one who is holy. And today, we just want to see you
1: in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Well, good morning, church. Amen. What a great day, and uh, man, I just love uh, um, the, the songs that um, the Lord put on Scott's heart this week and how all that just works together, and it's interesting to know kind of, we don't really talk a lot about necessarily where I'm going to preach, but I just love it when the Lord just brings it all together, and so the the music and the words, the lyrics today could not fit better than where we're going today in the Word. Got a question for you. Does anybody know what it means when a preacher takes off his watch? Not one thing, all right? Doesn't mean a thing, all right? Doesn't mean a thing. I'm so glad to see each of you. If you're a guest today, what an honor and a joy. A lot of places that you could worship today, but we're really, really glad that you are a part of this service here today at Poplar Springs. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to look with me again this week in the book of Matthew. Last week we were in Matthew chapter 1, started a series on best Christmas. Ever, and today I want to continue that thought, but I want to ask another question: What are you looking for? What are you really looking for this Christmas? Uh, we uh, had two of our grandsons uh, spend a couple of nights with us this week, and so we had uh, Emmett and Owen. All right and they are they're, they're precious, they're wonderful. They are full of life. We tried to keep them up a little bit later than what they usually, you know, stay up at their house. And you know, we do a few things. We try not to go too far out of bounds, but uh we give them a probably a little more Chocolate, then they get it home. All right. Do you know we just gotta do certain things, right? As a grandparent. And so, but they were up about 545 every morning, (laughs) raring to go. And you know, they would scream down. They were they were in the the bonus room, and so they screamed down, Oh Ma. We're Oma no Pa. All right. Oh Ma. Why does the clock say 545? Just go back to sleep. When the clock says seven zero zero, you can get up. A minute goes by. Oh, my. Why does the clock say 546? And then another minute. Oh, my. Why does the clock say 547? And why is it taking so long, all right? They were looking for something. They were looking to have breakfast and get the day going. So they saw presence under the tree. And the question was, Opa, are any of these presents ours? And I probably made a mistake. I said yes. And they went through every single present. They found theirs, you know. And so they were looking, right? They're looking for something. I don't know what you are looking for uh, this Christmas season. But I certainly hope that we are all looking for Jesus. And today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about uh, chapter 2 and uh, Jesus has been born. The wise men are making their visit. And I I believe there's just some great truth that we can learn and grow from in this text. So if you found your place, Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, hold your Bible or your device up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It's God's holy When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. And so it was written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem means the house of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Amen? So Bethlehem, house of bread, Judah means to be fulfilled. And so there's this beautiful, fruitful picture of Jesus being the bread of life. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what the star had appeared. by another way Lord Jesus today we come before you and our hearts are just God full of thanksgiving and praise for who you are and Lord today I pray that you would take this incredibly familiar story but God would you show us new truth today God would you speak to us right where we are today and, Lord, my prayer would be that I would pursue you with everything I have. And God, I pray that for every member of this sweet fellowship. That, God, we would pursue you. That, God, we, we would make it, Lord, such a, such a passion in our own hearts and lives each and every day as your disciples to hunger and thirst and to continue to seek you, to know you more deeply, to know you more intimately, And God, we pray that in doing so, it would cause us to to have this incredible desire for you to be known by so many others. And so, Lord, this this time of the year, so much can, can compete. Lord, so much can steal away from the true meaning. And so, Lord, may today we just be honest with you and honest with ourselves with the question, what are we looking for? And, Lord, we pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I love this text. This text is so full of truth and so full of fact. And so here's a couple of just Christmas facts. Here's what we know out of the text, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So verse number 1, after this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Some 700 years before that fact, you've got Micah. And Micah made this statement. It's in our text. Verse 6, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Israel. And so, so, this is a, a fantastic word. This is speaking of Jesus. This is speaking of our Emmanuel. Say, can. well, why is that so important? Well, there are several reasons. Number one, because it was prophesied 700 years before it actually happened, it should tell us that the Bible is true. I I don't know what you believe about the Scriptures today, but I want you to know that this red-headed, red-neck preacher believes every word of the Bible. From Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Revelations chapter 21, I believe every word is inspired by God. And it's not just stories. Friend, what we have is the truth from the heart of the Father. And so one reason why that, that phrase and those scriptures there are so incredibly important is because it just, it helps us understand that, that the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that he gave a word to Micah, he prophesied that word. And then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, everything that prophesied came true. By the way, every prophecy in the Bible is going to come true. Amen. You can bank on that. You can bank on that. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The second great fact here is that Jesus was born king. Now, there's another king in the text, right, whose name is Herod. So the Bible says that Herod is the king, but Jesus was born king. Here's the difference. Jesus was always king. He wasn't king because he was born king. He was born king because he was king, right? He has always been king. Herod was not born a king. He declared himself to be king. On the other hand, Jesus was king from birth. The Magi got it right when they said that he was going to be born king again. Here is God. Here is Emmanuel. Here is God becoming a man. He, he, He has existed eternally, but now he is ruling and reigning and comes into this world as a humble child. He's king. He didn't need an earthly palace. He didn't need an earthly throne. He is the king of kings because he was king, he was born king, and he will forever be king. Now, once you lay the foundation there, you realize that there are three different responses that you see to the fact that Jesus was king, Jesus was Emmanuel, that Jesus was God in the flesh. Three responses. Let me give them to you really quick. The first response was one of self-interest. That's seen in Herod. You remember what he said? He said this, well, I want to know about the one who claims to be king. I need to know where he is at. And what did he say? Because I want to come and worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Because we know, we know that in chapter 2, verse 16, the heart of Herod is revealed. What does that say? Then Herod, when he saw that they had been tricked by the wise man, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. So there was his heart. He was a paranoid man. As a matter of fact, history records that he had a wife killed and he had some sons killed. Why? Because he was afraid they would rival his throne. So here is an earthly king who wanted to be in charge. He wanted to dictate everything. And this was one of self-interest. Maybe we can identify with that today. Maybe some of us want to be the providential king of our own lives. We want to be in charge. We want to do what we want to do. And we don't want anybody else to have any authority over us. Are you here today and honestly, you pursue Jesus only for what you can get for Him? If Jesus can heal you, you're interested. If Jesus can give you a better job, you're interested. If he can give you a wife, you're interested. If he could give you a rich husband, you're interested. If he can give you vision for your life, you're interested. In other words, listen, you, 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 you don't really treat Jesus any different than you do Santa Claus. If he can give you what you want, then you don't mind calling him king. You don't mind calling him Lord. You can even go so far as to call him master But the truth is, you're pursuing him only because of our own self-interest. Well, there's another response. I would call it apathy. And and if you're not careful, you, you might gloss over this one. So, Herod was asked a question, where is this child going to be born? Herod had no clue, right? He had no clue. So, what did he do? He assembled the preachers. He he assembled the scribes. He assembled all the seminary leaders and teachers of that day and asked them a question. Do you know where this child is going to be born? Now think about that. So all those pastors and church leaders and religious experts got together, and they said, oh, yeah, we can answer that question. We can answer that question very clearly. He's going to be born in Bethlehem because this is what the Old Testament prophecy was. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the Magi came to town. They went to find Herod. They they were actually there to to find Jesus. And so he he asked a simple question Where's he going to be born? And they got the right answer. But did you notice Herod didn't pursue Jesus? Did you notice in the text that the religious leaders did not pursue Jesus? The wise men were the only ones who took the truth and began to investigate and worship Jesus. In other words, these these religious leaders were filled with apathy. Apathy. They were more concerned about their religious perspective and position than they were really knowing Jesus. Now, I don't know that anybody here today would stand up and say, I don't care about Jesus. I don't think anybody here would do that, right? I don't don't think you would do that out loud. You might, but but I doubt it. But deep in our hearts, I wonder, do other things really consume our hearts, health, health? a job, a relationship, well-being, maybe your own appearance. Being a disciple is more than just knowing some Bible verses and facts about Jesus. It's knowing him. It's growing in him. It's pursuing him. You, You could even be here in this gathering today and feel a sense of inconvenience it probably bothered you that I took my watch off. Because you know, you know, the average Baptist church starts at 11 o'clock sharp and ends at 12 o'clock dull, right? <laughs> and so for some of us, maybe even in this room, you thought, oh my goodness, that guy took his watch off. He's not going to look at his watch. How is he going to Because you, you are already in a different place. The the motive of you even being in this assembly today was really not one of pursuing Jesus. Not really interested in Jesus because there's other things, other pursuits. Not really a growing awareness of Jesus and really a sense of, true worship. We'd have to say that there could be some folks here today that you are just disinterested at best. You're not going to get in anybody's way for pursuing Jesus, but for you, you really don't have that kind of desire. So you got Herod who says, I want to be king and I'm looking out for me. You've you got the religious leaders who said, you know what? We know truth, but we don't care about it. We're, we're not going to pursue it. That's like, the, that's like the person now, today, in our generation, in our time frame, who says, I know what the Bible says, but, right? So here's a third response. And this is the one that I really want to spend some time with today. There's the response of a genuine pursuit. So here's what we know. According to the text, there was a pursuit. There there was an interest. There was something that gripped the heart of these wise men, and they were willing to do whatever it took. They traveled from the east. They traveled a long, great, hard distance. It could have been a great expense for them and perhaps an inconvenience. When they got to Jerusalem, they said, where is he? We're looking for the king. They're determined to find Jesus. I love that. Do you see that? I mean, they wanted to know where he was. And so they found out he's not in Jerusalem. He's in Bethlehem. And so they go there, and they continue to look, and they continue to seek, and they continue to search. They had to find him. They had to. To meet him. I hope there's some of you that are like that in this service today. I don't know. See, I don't know your heart. I don't know. I, I don't have God's perspective. I, I can't peep into your soul. I, I can't know the intents of your heart and what you think. So, so maybe there's somebody here that the only interest you have is yours. And the only king that you really want to exalt is the one that you see when you look in the mirror. That could be true, Right? And it could be that there's some, some folks here today that, that man, you, you, you just aren't really pursuing Jesus. You just, you just checked off the box. Do I go to church? Check. Did I go to Sunday school? Check. Did I sing in the choir? Check. Did I give an offering? Check. Right? But no real pursuit. You would have to say we're pretty apathetic at best, And then, then, but there's the one I really want to see. Oh, I want to see somebody who has a genuine pursuit for Jesus. I'm talking about an insatiable appetite. Do y'all know what it is to be hungry? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, I, I know sometimes, we say, oh, I'm just starving to death. No, we're not. You know, it wouldn't hurt most of us to miss a few meals, right? You don't have to say amen on that you don't have to, okay, but we're all guilty of that, right? And and, and I'm sorry to all the camera folks today, all right? It is just in me and I cannot help it, but I got to walk today. I'm looking for some people who are truly looking for Jesus. I mean, there is a hunger, there is a passion, there is an appetite. It's like a hot summer day and you can't get enough water. You know what I'm talking about? It is like next Sunday night trying to get as much banana pudding as we can get, Miss Barbara. (laughs) And after you've gone back that second or third time, you know what you want? You still want more like you'd never had the first bite, right? That may be how you think about Chick-fil-A. That may be how you think about Popeyes. You are bad, so I'm going to spend some time with chicken for a minute, all right? But y'all know what I'm talking about, right? A hunger, a thirst, an appetite, and you would do whatever to, 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 to fulfill that thing, right? That's, that's what I'm praying we begin to see. That's what you see in the wise men. Now, all that's introduction. I've got three quick points. And if you'll give me your undivided attention, which means if you let me talk fast and you promise to listen fast, we can make this work, all right? So I want to show you at least three things. There may be, I may add one, okay? But I didn't send the guys, but I may add one just according to what time it is. All right, so here's three, at least three distinct lessons I want you to think about learning from the wise men. Number one, they were wise to seek Jesus despite the hardships. They didn't know where he was. There was a great inconvenience. There's travel. There's taking time off work. There's safety issues. They are foreigners. It's dangerous what they did. But their pursuit of Jesus was more important than the comfort and their security. I want you to think about that. Would we today have such a pursuit of Jesus that we would not care about our comfort? We would not care about our own security. All they wanted to do was to meet Jesus. Meeting him was more important than anything else or anyone else. Ladies and gentlemen, are you seeking him? Are you looking for him? Do you want to meet him? Do Do you want to get to know him? I love this. They They were wise to seek Jesus despite their hardships. It's not always easy walking with Jesus. As a matter of fact, I will just make a I will make an honest statement here today. I think life can be more difficult because we are following Jesus. We are living in a world that goes anti—I mean, the, the, the tide of this world is going in the opposite direction of Jesus. And, and I, but I'm telling you, the pursuit of Jesus is worth any difficulty, any hardship. As a matter of fact, it is—how many of you have ever been disappointed? You ever been disappointed in something? One of the great things that God is teaching me in this season of my life is that God is the God of even disappointments. And if I will trust him and if I will pursue him, if I will get to know him, he can show me that he is king, he is lord, he is master, he is in control and despite every difficulty and hardship, he is worth pursuing. He's worthy. He's worthy of that. So these guys were wise in the fact that they were seeking Jesus despite their hardships. Number two, they were wise to seek Jesus because they were seeking biblical truth. They were seeking the biblical truth about Jesus. They went to the men, the teachers of that culture. They didn't go to the students. They went to the professor's. They went to the smart guys. They were the ones who had wrote the books. These are the guys who were giving the lectures. And in that day, people did not pick a school. They picked a teacher. And, and they looked at that person in their prominent position. And so these men were, were smart. They were scholars. Somebody that knows more than I do, right? Right? If you think about a scholar, scholars are people that know more than what we know, and these were the scholars of that day. And what do the Scripture say? The Scripture says that they gave them the truth. They told them where Jesus was, and they told him why he came. Are you trusting the Word of God today? Do you know the Word of God? Are you you feasting on the Word? Are you trusting biblical truth today? Are you seeking Jesus in the Scriptures? Are you living a life of humility so that you can be taught? These men were wise in the fact that they were believing and seeking biblical truth. I don't want to go too far with this. Maybe it's okay if I go too far with this. That's the beauty of being a transitional pastor, right? <laughs> I uh, I know that some of the leaders of our nation took a vote this past week. And they took a vote this past week on what they think a marriage should be. Are y'all familiar with that? Did y'all happen to catch that on the news? So when I heard that report, I just simply looked over at Pat, and I basically said something like this. Our politicians may be in agreement with that decision, but that decision flies in the face of the truth of God's Word. I don't give a rip about what Washington says about marriage. We better know the biblical truth of what God says a marriage is. Matter of fact, we better know the biblical position on every issue of our day. So how can we know the truth of the Scripture unless we are pursuing the truth of the Scripture, right? Right? I hope the only time you open up your Bible is not when Pastor Ken says, if you're here today, let's stand. Open your Bible, hold it up. I hope that's not the only time that you do that. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you. I don't care if you use a Bible that has pages. I don't care if you use a device. I really don't. I know that some preachers get bent out of shape over stuff like that. Listen, I don't care. People ask me all the time, Ken, what is the best translation of the Bible? And my all-time favorite answer is this, the one that you will read. Right? Right? I don't want to get all bent up and hung up on this or that or this thing or that thing. Or I'm telling you, I just want you to get in the Word. I want you to know what the Bible says. I want you to know what God says. I want you to align your life up with the Scriptures. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be blessed? Well, I'll tell you this. The Bible says if you read just the book of Revelation. Here's what the book of Revelation says about itself. If you just read that book, the Bible says you'll be blessed. Right? That's a promise in the Word. That's the truth of the Word. Some of you can, some of you can quote all the Clemson stats, and I can quote you all the Carolina stats, and sometimes we can't even quote a Bible verse. Hello? Hello? Is this on? (laughs) I want you to pursue the Word, amen? See, Kim, what you're trying to preach today is old-fashioned and fundamental. Praise God. Sometimes we don't need new. Sometimes we just need tried and true. And the Bible is tried and true. Amen? Amen. Know me. Number three. Boy, this is a good one. I've primed you up for number three. You're going to love this one. You're going to be throwing babies from the balcony on this one. (laughs) They were wise to worship Jesus with their wealth. That's one of the strengths that they had was their wealth. Now, I know what I preached last week. Some of you went just like that. You went right back to what I preached last week. I hope you did. They say that most folks only retain about 10 to 15% of what a communicator says. That's so discouraging. (laughs) Y'all remember last week I said, give God your weakness. Remember that? That sometimes we give God our strength, but God wants your weakness, and sometimes we could miss the miracle because we won't even give God our weakness. Well, I still believe that. Amen. Give God your weakness. Don't hang on to it. Don't protect it. Give God your weakness. At the same time, give God your strengths. And one of their strengths was wealth. You say, Ken, well, hang on a second. Time out. My last name is not Trump. My last name is not Rockefeller. My, my, last, not, my last name is not Jobs. Well, I know this. Just, 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 just stay with me for just a second. How many of you own a car? Just raise your hand. That's, that's pretty much most of us. Did you know if you own a car, you're like in the top 2% of the wealthiest people in the world. Now, I may not be exactly right on that figure, but I know I've read it. It's it's really quite amazing. Years ago, when we were trying to build at one of the churches I was at, I was the Lord told me that we were not gonna we're not gonna do a capital campaign. That we were gonna pay for this through tithes and offerings. Now, if you don't think that'll keep you up at night think, Lord, tithes and offerings? We're going we to pay for this thing with tithes and offerings? And, and so he took me out in the parking lot. So during Sunday school one morning, I just walked around the parking lot. And I said, Lord, what am I doing out here in the parking lot? And it's like the Lord said, look at all these cars. I said, yeah, Lord, there's a lot of cars. And I'm grateful there's a lot. He said, no, look close.
2: And I got to looking.
1: And there were Mercedes. And they were all Audis or Audis or however you say it, right? There was a couple of Jaguars, Jaguar or whatever you call them, all right? I got to looking around, and and you know what? It dawned on me. Lord, we don't have a money problem here. (laughs) We got money. There's a lot of wealth. It's the fact are we going to present it to you or not, right? And what you see in these magi is they fell down. They worshiped Jesus. They opened their treasures. I love this. Verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When's the last time you've been in a worship service and you just got overwhelmed? Honestly, when's the last time you just got overwhelmed? There's some of you probably want to raise your hands, but you're scared to do it. Some of you would just say amen, but the only time you say amen is when I say amen and you say amen back, right? I have to prime the pump. There's some of you probably wanted to express your joy and your worship in ways, but sometimes we become so intimidated, right, by what will people think. Let me tell you what that is. That's pride. When you care more about what people think than what God already knows, that's pride. These guys blew a gasket. I mean, they were rejoicing. And I don't even know what all that looks like. But I know in my own life there are times when I get so filled up and I, I am in that, that true sense of worship that I will praise him. And sometimes I say things out loud. Sometimes I raise my hands and sometimes I cry. And Sometimes I don't say anything. And I'm not saying you have to foam at the mouth in order to love Jesus. But I am saying this, there is something unique. When you get in the presence of Jesus, there should be joy and rejoicing. And of all the people in the world that should have a sense of joy, it should be those of us who are saved by God's grace. So they come in this. They're, they're rejoicing with exceeding great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. They're in his presence, and there's worship, there's praise, there's adoration. Here's this pursuit. They, they, they went to Jerusalem and found out he wasn't there. Now, you know what most of us would have done? If they had been truly, if they had been Baptist, they said, well, we went to Jerusalem, didn't see him, went home. They said, he's not here? Where is he? Oh, he's in Bethlehem? We'll go there. There's something to that church. And when they come to him, they fall down and they worship. And the Bible says they opened their treasures. And there's gold. Gold is for kings. This lavish wealth is presented to the Christ child. It demonstrates that Jesus is king, that he is our king, that he was born king. They gave him frankincense. It is an incense. It was an incense that was used by the priest in the temple. And this tells us that not only is Jesus our king, but Jesus is our priest. He's Emmanuel. He's the one mediator between God and man. Hebrews repeatedly tells us that Jesus is our high priest. And they presented him myrrh, myrrh. For sure, the most peculiar of all, myrrh was used like an embalming fluid. It's a foreshadowing of the cross. It's it's a picture that tells us that Jesus is going to die. And Jesus died for each of us on the cross. When they took the body of Jesus off the cross, they prepared his body for burial. John 19 says that as they were preparing the body, what did they use? Myrrh. They put his body in a cold, dark tomb. But three days later, he conquered sin. He conquered death. Jesus came to life. He took a deep breath. And you know what filled up in his lungs, the scent that he smelled? Myrrh. Because myrrh, was the sweet smell of victory. <laughs> they used it as an embalming fluid, an incense, to cover up the stink. And when he smelled it, listen, he wasn't dead, right? I'm telling you, it was the smell of victory. I Pastured out in rural North Carolina for several years and in the poorest area of North Carolina, poorest county in the state. And mo- most folks that, that grew up in that area, they were all farmers and, and they had transitioned from more crops to, to cattle and, and, and many from cattle to chickens and turkeys. So most of the folks that lived right around the church, they were, they were chicken farmers. My mom and dad had not been out to be with us. And so one weekend, they came to spend the weekend with us. And so I grew up, you know, the edge of Greer. And I I mean, I could explain to you where. But if I was on one side of my neighborhood, then I had a jam. I always had a jam box. Back, 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 I know I'm dating myself right now. Okay. So I had this jam box. And so if I was on one side of the neighborhood, it would be like Parliament and the Funkadelics. Okay. And because that's that's a part of the neighborhood I was with. And so that's what I would, you know, um, roller coaster. Mm. Hey, hey. Okay, so that would be one side of the neighborhood. But if I was on the other side of the neighborhood, I had to play country and western. So, I mean, I grew up in a very diverse but mean, rough part of town. Okay, rough. And so my mom and dad came and spent the, the, you know, the weekend with us. First night, first night. So they went to bed on Friday night, got up on Saturday morning. I said, well, dad had you sleep. He didn't sleep at all. I said, why didn't you sleep? He said, because it's too dark out here. And I didn't hear ambulances and police, and I didn't hear any gun, gunshots during the night. He said, let's go to Hardy's. I said, well, if you want to go to Hardee's, we'll go to Hardy's. The closest heart, he was about 45 minutes away. What? Where in the world do you live? I mean, he just blew his mind. So I said, well, let's just go anyway, and we'll warm it up when we get home. So we step out. Well, they had just spread the fields. Okay? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So they had just spread the fields. And so he takes two steps that, you know, down off the porch, and he goes, what in the world is that? And I said, Scott, that. Is tithes and offerings <laughs> that's what that smell is to me dad tithes and offerings when Jesus smelt myrrh that scent that should represent death hey friend not you just better put this down big and plain Jesus whooped death Jesus died in our place, suffered in our place, died a death that you and I deserve to die, did not stay dead, got up on the third day. Victory! We don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen Savior. So I love the Christmas story. You know why? Because you can't help but go to the Easter story. So I got a question, and I'll close that with this. What are you looking for? What you looking for? You looking for the Amazon truck? You looking for that new job? You looking for the perfect this or that? Or are you looking, pursuing him? What are you looking for? I promise you this if you will trust him he will give you more than you can ever imagine look for him lord jesus even today we come and lord we we praise you that Lord, we believe that this story is true, this this inspired text is real, that God, you breathed this. You, You allowed the Holy Spirit to instruct men to record this eternal living word. And, Lord, there's so much in this text that that makes my heart rejoice. The fact that, God, I believe that the prophecy was fulfilled, which tells me that the Bible is true, and it's truth. It can be trusted. That, Jesus, you were king before there was anything created. You were sovereign, holy, righteous king. God, your plan for man to to redeem us and to make us one of yours was for Jesus to come humbly as a man. And so, Lord, we, we come today to say, God, I pray that knowing this, it would just cause us to want to know you more. Lord, maybe someone here today has never trusted you, and I pray, oh, God, that you would save them today. That, God, they would see Jesus, and they would see him high and lifted up, that he would draw them to himself today. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here that does not know you, God, that that you would pursue them, and, Lord, they would come to know you today. God, I I believe there's some believers in this room. But, Lord, many times, just like in my own life, God, I can recognize seasons where I'm incredibly indifferent toward you. And, God, I can find myself just going through the motion. No heart, no passion. And, Jesus, there could be some men and women in this room today That, God, that's where they're at. And, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would draw them to you afresh and anew today. And that, God, anything that has been an idol would no longer be an idol. But, Lord, they would come and just simply pursue you. To be with you. To walk with you. To talk with you. To be with you. So, Lord, during this time of invitation, you take it and do with it whatever you will for your good and for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Brother Scott, the praise team is going to lead us just as I am. And maybe you're here today, and that's how you need to respond, just as you are. I'm, I'm asking you, come to Jesus. Look for Jesus. PURSUE JESUS.
2: JUST Just as AS I AM
0: place today I pray that we will realize that all we need we find in thee for you are the lamb of God and our only hope Lord I pray that in this season that we will pursue you as never before realizing full well that you are pursuing us and you have throughout eternity Lord, may we pursue you at this time. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. See you at six this evening.